The writer of Hebrews says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The prophets were ancient word warriors who spoke with divine authority, uttering, thus saith the Lord. The apostle Peter describes the prophets as having been carried along by the Holy Spirit, like a ship driven by a tempestuous wind. The Old Testament prophets were both foretellers and foretellers. Their divine messages applied directly to the times in which they lived, but they also gave glimpses into the future known as prophecies, something that requires divine inspiration. Isaiah, the granddaddy of the major prophets, contains much Bible prophecy, including, for example, one we recite at Christmas about the birth of our Savior. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for listening. Today, Ron explores the book of Isaiah, the first of the major prophets of the Old Testament and the first book in Road Trip number four of his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Pay close attention today, as Ron will tell you in just a few moments, if you master the book of Isaiah, you will understand the heart of God and the heart of his prophetic message. Stay with us now or drop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good Radio message, Isaiah, God is my salvation. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. What is your greatest need in life? Every December, I'm reminded of my greatest need, um, expressed through a Christmas card that I received many, many years ago. The card came in the mail, I opened it up and opened up the card, and I found these words. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist or maybe a banker. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. That's a great Christmas card. I mean, second only to a verse of scripture that maybe arises from Matthew or Luke's Christmas story or, or maybe from one of the Old Testament prophecies concerning Bethlehem. Um, it doesn't get any better than those words to focus us on our greatest need. Our greatest need was for forgiveness. And so God sent us exactly what we needed, which was a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, that is what Christmas is all about, right? Better yet, that is who Christmas is all about. It's not about, you know, old Saint Nick and his team of reindeers delivering uh, uh, presents to children around the world. No, this worldwide celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ is about how God chose to meet our greatest need, which is for forgiveness, or to say it another way, our greatest need for 
salvation. Now, there's a good churchy word. We're in church this morning, so I just dropped a, a church word on you, right? Uh, say the word with me, salvation, salvation. Theologically, the word salvation means deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. It also speaks of God's ability to, uh, to redeem us. The word redemption and salvation are very uh, similar. Salvation sounds like it belongs inside the stained glass windows of the church. And that's, that's, that's true. The best definition of salvation arises from the biblical text. And uh, so we need to keep it in that, that context there. The question is, can we unwrap this this Bible word called salvation in a way that everyday people like you and me understand that our greatest need is for salvation. We might need a little help with that, to take it out of the stained glass, out of the ivory tower, down to where everyday people like you and I live. Where can we find some help in unwrapping this concept, this biblical concept called salvation, so that we can understand it? in our everyday life. Well, a prophet named Isaiah in the Old Testament is going to help us do that. Uh, we are on our next journey on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Our next stop as we journey through the major prophets is uh, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, where the word salvation appears 28 times in 66 chapters. And the major theme of the book of Isaiah it's captured in these four words. God is my salvation. Let's say it again together. God is my salvation. Now, before we get to that theme, let's get to know the book of Isaiah. Let's get to know this, uh, this grand prophet whose name is Isaiah. Isaiah is the first of 17 prophetic writings that we find in the Old Testament. And based on the size of each book, these 17 prophetic writings are categorized two ways. Five of them are known as major prophets, and 12 of them are known as minor prophets. It has nothing to do with a major or minor message. In fact, the minor prophets, as we will discover in road trip number five, pack a major wallop. I mean, they've got a, a powerful message as well. But these major prophets take up a lot of editorial space in the Old Testament. The granddaddy of the major prophets is Isaiah. It doesn't get any bigger than Isaiah. Uh, let me explain it this way. What Beethoven means to music and what Shakespeare means to literature, uh, who Michelangelo is to art and Babe Ruth is to baseball, uh, what um, Lincoln and Washington and Jefferson are among the uh, presidents of the United States, Isaiah is to the holy prophets of God. He is enormous not just because of the size of his book, but because the message of this book sets the tone for every other prophetic message that we read about in the Old Testament. You master Isaiah, and you'll understand the heart of God and the heart of his, uh, his biblical and prophetic message. Now, like the other prophets in the Bible, God sent Isaiah to deliver a word of warning to his wayward people. Not a single prophet was ever sent to the chosen people of God, the Israelites in the Old Testament, during a time when they were walking in obedience to his divine command. They didn't need the prophets to come and deliver a stern warning. 
But uh, the Lord commissioned these holy firebrands, and that's what I like to call them. The prophets were holy firebrands. And um, Isaiah really sets the tone for it. He, he sent the prophets to correct God's chosen people and call them to repentance when they had strayed like sheep into immorality and idolatry. And often the prophets' messages fell on deaf ears and on hard hearts. And um, let's make sure that doesn't happen today. Jesus told a story about uh, a farmer who had a bag of seed and he was scattering his seed and he said some of the seed fell on you know, rocky ground and some into the thorny ground and some into the hard places and all of that. Some of it fell into good soil and the seed grew up. And he says, you know, the seed is like the word of God. The word of God is being scattered into your heart this morning and into your ears. Don't have a hard heart and uh, don't have deaf ears this morning. Even Jesus rebuked those two men on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember? In one of his uh, post-resurrection appearances, Luke chapter 24, he rebukes these two men on the road to Emmaus, called them foolish. Why? Because, quote, they were slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Let's not be slow to believe what all the prophets had spoken. Jesus goes on to take them through the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, to the writings of Moses and the prophets, the Bible says, to show them what they said about him. And he was the fulfillment of all of that. Uh, the Old Testament prophets, these firebrands, were also forthtellers and foretellers. They told forth the word of God. We need those kinds of prophets today. Uh, preachers and missionaries and Bible study teachers who tell forth the Word of God. Some people have described our times as a nonprofit time. Like we're, you know, the church is a nonprofit organization today because there are no tellers forth of the Word of God. But these Old Testament prophets, prophets were also foretellers of the Word of God. Their messages applied directly to the times in which they lived, but they also gave us glimpses into the future, these glimpses known as prophecies. Old Testament prophecy, which required divine inspiration, which uh, many people challenge today, the legitimacy of it. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Isaiah, God is my salvation. New to the program? If so, we want you to know that we archive all of Ron's messages at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's Word the whole year through. Join the A28 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that's 757-276-1099. Well, now that Ron has introduced you to the book of Isaiah, its purpose, and its origin, he wants you to get to know the author himself. Let's join him now for the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, Isaiah, God is my salvation. Isaiah contains much Bible prophecy, as do the other prophets of the Old Testament. With the lens of Bible prophecy, they gave us a glimpse into the future. Here's one example that we recite at Christmas time. 
from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Does this sound familiar? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Uh, written uh, hundreds of years before the coming of Christ in Bethlehem. It was a Christmas prophecy, a prophecy of the coming uh, Son of God and Savior of the world. And there are many, many other prophecies in the book of Isaiah that take us all the way to the end of the age. And again, requires uh, divine revelation and divine prophecy and inspiration for us to be able to see into the future as Isaiah did. Uh, the claim of predictive prophecy, quite frankly, is the reason, the main reason why skeptics have challenged and maligned uh, the book of Isaiah. Modern scholars who deny the Bible's supernatural origin will uh, go to great lengths, uh, scholarly gymnastics, I call it, uh, to try to date the writing of the book of Isaiah much, um, uh, much later than, you know, most scholars would. And they do that because, especially in chapters 40 through 66, uh, Isaiah is writing about uh, things relating to after the Babylonian captivity. And so liberal scholars will say, well, it had to be written by somebody not during Isaiah's time, but somebody who lived much later. And they concoct this theory that Isaiah was written by Isaiah the prophet and later somebody they call Deutero-Isaiah, second Isaiah, an anonymous author because they deny the supernatural nature of the Bible and say that predictive prophecy is just not even possible. Well, the New Testament rejects such nonsense and attributes the entire book of Isaiah to the prophet himself. Um, and one scholar named Baxter actually says, if Isaiah's modern critics applied their methods to the writings of present-day authors, they would be a laughing stock. Because part of what they say is, well, there's a, there's a literary difference in the style of writing between chapters 40 through 66 and chapters 1 through 39. So, I mean, how many times have you picked up a, a series of books from an author today, and one day or one year he publishes a, a nonfiction book, which requires a certain style in writing, and then he publishes a fiction book? a completely different style of writing. So anytime the scholars try to malign and attack the book of Isaiah, their, their arguments crumble upon uh, further examination. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the prophet himself and get to know Isaiah. Just some fun facts about Isaiah, starting with the fact that he was born to wealthy parents and grew up among the aristocracy of uh, Israel, which gave him access to kings when he ministered uh, God's word. Isaiah uh, served as a prophet and a statesman to the southern kingdom, or Judah, for 60 years. He had a lengthy ministry from about 740 to 680 BC. It was during the time that the northern kingdom was besieged and taken over by the Assyrians. We studied that when we were working our way through the Old Testament historical books. And uh, it was before Judah's Babylonian exile. For those of you who are historians, you might be interested to know that also during the time of Isaiah, Romulus and Remus founded Rome. Uh, the traditional date for the founding of Rome was 753 B.C., and also during that time, Greece was beginning to emerge as a world superpower. Later, they would uh, 
emerge under the leadership of Alexander the Great. We also know that Isaiah's wife was a prophetess. Uh, prophecy and uh, foretelling and foretelling was kind of the family business. Isaiah the prophet, married to a prophetess, and they had two children. Uh, furthermore, in kind of the uh, stranger things category, and you can't make this up, but it may be the very reason you're motivated to read the book of Isaiah. In chapter 20, we learn that God told Isaiah to walk around naked for three years as a sign of shame against the wickedness of Egypt and Cush. Part of his assignment was to walk around butt naked for three years. I just sat there and I wondered, as I was reminded of this, what did his wife and kids think? You know, honey, this is not your best look. You know, I don't know. But as we read through the prophets, we find that sometimes there were some strange assignments that they were given. Like when we get to the minor prophets and to the prophet Hosea, Hosea was told to marry a woman named Gomer who became a prostitute, and not to give up on her, but to continue pursuing her. Because Israel, it was a sign of Israel who had prostituted her ways spiritually with God, but the God of the Bible who desires his chosen people and love, he just keeps pursuing and keeps pursuing. So these prophets, what I'm telling you, often had some strange and difficult assignments, but any way God could get the attention of his people he did. Finally, in a not-so-fun fact about Isaiah is that he died a martyr. Uh, late in his life, toward the uh, 60th year of his ministry, he was executed by an evil king named Manasseh, who just didn't like what Isaiah had to say. And if you don't like what the prophet has to say, well, what do you do? You killed the prophet. And Jewish tradition says that Isaiah was sawn in two inside a hollow log. And that might be what the writer of Hebrews is referring to in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith when he says, and some were sawn in two for their faith. A not so fun fact about Isaiah. But what does Isaiah's life and ministry have to do with salvation? What does it have to do with our greatest need? Let's dig a little bit deeper into his life and ministry, starting with his name, which literally means Yahweh is salvation. So when Isaiah the prophet would introduce himself to people, he'd say, hi, my name is Isaiah, and in doing so, he'd be, he'd be communicating the grand theme of his ministry and that what the Lord wanted him to communicate, and that is that salvation is through Yahweh. Uh, chapter 12 and verse 2, we read it a little bit earlier beautifully captures this theme when it says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Notice the personal pronouns here. I and my. Now, this is very personal to Isaiah. He doesn't say, um, uh, my uh, God is a salvation, like he is one of many salvations that you can receive. He doesn't say God is the salvation, which kind of keeps it in the ivory tower and somewhat distant from your personal life. No, he declares God is my salvation. Can you say that today? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who we will learn was uh, God's provision for our salvation. 
I've given you a chart in your notes, as I do for all of our journeys on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, to help us get a kind of a 30,000-foot view of this book and others. And it's especially important as we look at the 66 chapters of uh, the book of Isaiah. And with those 66 chapters, Isaiah itself is almost like a mini Bible. You do know that the Bible you have in your hands, your Protestant Bible, contains 66 books, thus Route 66. And that easily breaks down into the Old and New Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Ironically, maybe not so ironically, but maybe an indication of uh, divine inspiration through the literary structure of the book, Isaiah breaks easily into two sections, chapters 1 to 39, and then chapters 40 through 66. And in chapters 1 through 39, it's all about man's need for salvation. It's judgment after judgment after judgment after judgment, starting with Israel and expanding uh, to all the nations of the world, all the way through the lens of prophecy to the end of the age. And it's a wearisome journey to slug through the reading of those 39 chapters. But then comes chapter 40, God's provision for salvation. And it's important to understand uh, the, the flow of the book that way. It kind of reminds me of the way the Apostle Paul writes his letter to the Romans. Have you ever tried to read through the 12 chapters of Romans? It's some deep, it's the deep end of theology. In chapters 1 to 3, uh, he, he talks about the depravity of man. He gets us good and lost and declares all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And by the end of chapter 3, you're a little bit depressed. But then comes chapters 4 and 5 where he introduces salvation by grace and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As the old saying goes, you've got to get them good and lost before you get them saved. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, the prophet Isaiah wrote, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. He made some strong statements throughout all 66 chapters of his prophetic masterpiece, but he also pointed to what was, at the time, a future Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who would come to set us free from the eternal penalty of sin and ultimately from the very presence of sin. Blessed be His holy name. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Isaiah, God is my salvation, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. In Starting Point, Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. To find Starting Point at Disciples First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And today, for your gift to Something Good Radio, We'll send you a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an ebook that covers the major prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah through Daniel. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. 
Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. And if you see your greatest need as what it really is, which is for forgiveness and for salvation, you will spend the rest of your life chasing after Jesus, this suffering servant who loves you so much that he purchased your salvation with his own blood on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin and delivered you redeemed you from the very power of sin and promises to return to take you home to heaven with him to remove you from the very place where sin exists in this world. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Isaiah, God is my salvation. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.